Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, June 5th, 2018, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 67 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Can you still hear me? Of course I can still hear you, Mr. Nice why, Guy. Why would you You're not be able the, to? Yeah, exactly. You may be in the Midwest, and I may be in the West, but I can still hear you. All right, so we finally got presence. this going. Let's uh, let's do this thing, man. How are things, Mac? What's good? Oh, man, it has been too long, Mr. Nice Guy, since we've sat down and chatted about our weeks, so, so much has happened. I feel bad for people who are listening to the other episodes of this podcast because I've got so many things to say that I'm just going to have to skip over a bunch. So let me just try and capture these things in one word or just one statement. Do it. Um, Letter writing campaign of a political nature. That was fun. Working on building a telescope. Tons of fun. Preparing for... A Star Wars-themed astronomy uh, event next week. X-Wing pilot helmet. Is that the one you were building on your stream? Yes, indeed. It's been it's it's coming out all right so far, but it still has a little bit of a way to go. Um, coming down with something. Not so great. Also, um, I had a heck of a lot of fun teaching those chemistry classes. So I'm gearing up to teach another round of chemistry classes nice. this summer. Nice. So I think that kind of covers the majority of what's been going on in my life. What about you, Mr. Nice Guy? Dude, you know, I've just been doing what I do, doing comedy, um, time with the kids, time with the wife. I've really been getting back into playing basketball, man. I, I played a lot in my, uh, in my college days which weren't that long ago, but I forgot how much I love the game, man. So I've been waking up early, going to, uh, there's this place you can go when you're low on your dough. <laughs> so I've been going to, that was dumb. I've been going to the YMCA every morning and uh, and playing uh, a little bit of basketball, and it's been fun, man. But other than that, just gaming and enjoying life. So, Mac, on that note, I say we do what we do best, and we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. This is episode number 67. Thank you all for being here and or listening to it after the fact. Uh, And we got a lot of really, really good stories this week. Um, Let's start with this one. It deals with a dungeon crawler, a co-op game that might be interesting to Maxion. This is on on IGN by, uh, by Adam Bankhurst. It says, No official announcement has been made, but a new Diablo project appears to be in the works. A recently posted job listing for a dungeon artist at Blizzard has confirmed a new Diablo project is currently being worked on at the studio. Whether that new project is a proper Diablo 4 or a new type of game for the franchise remains to be seen, as few details are provided as part of the job listing. Blizzard, however, does hint it won't lose what makes Diablo so popular as they are looking for people who are, quote, passionate about working on the dark gothic world of Diablo, making great games, killing minions and or millions of monsters, and getting loot. Fans have been asking for a rumored Nintendo Switch port of Diablo 3, 
but this job posting certainly appears to be for a new product rather than ex an existing port. Diablo 12 originally launched in 2012 and released 12 years after its predecessor, Diablo 2. It received two expansions, blah, 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 blah. Mac, have you played any Diablo games? Is that your thing? Um, Diablos 1 and 2. Why not Diablo 3, man? Because uh, it's, you know, current gen stuff. But dude, uh, every... I leave the current gen stuff to you whippersnappers. So once it's, I'm older than you. Once it's, um, so I'm not a whippersnapper. Once oh it's... really? But can you geezer as well as me? I can. We'll we'll do a geezer off later. <laughs> now, once this game is retro, you'll hop in. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, no. Um, I may eventually hop in. The thing is, is that there are certain games that I have to avoid because I will get sucked too deeply into them. And, uh, I learned from Diablo 1 and Diablo 2 that that's, that I can really get sucked in. So I've avoided Diablo 3 mostly because I don't want to just have everything else in my life you know, just go down the toilet for a month or two while I uh, while I try to claw my way out. It, it it just sucks me in and doesn't let me go. Yeah, have you ever wondered what that'd be like though to just say, you know what, I'm just gonna give into video games and just embrace it and just you know what, I'm not gonna deal with the consequences, whatever they are. Oh, I totally there. have. Um, uh, back in the day, you know, when I uh, when I abandoned my career, my dental school career, uh, my dentistry career, I actually just gave myself a bunch of time and went full on into video games, and it was uh, uh, it was awesome, it was wonderful, and I still held down a job, so I guess I didn't you know lose every, you know let's say consequences be darned but you know it, it is one of those things where uh where i've experienced it and it's honestly pretty awesome i bet yeah i'll have to someday i'll have to do that just take like use all my pto concurrent like in in a stretch and just get into some game and uh neglect everything important well anyway we got some other cool news stories you guys gamespot.com is where the next one comes from it says, Bethesda has surprised fans by officially announcing the next entry in its beloved Fallout franchise, Fallout 76. After a day of online teases, it revealed a new project with a brief teaser trailer that offers some hints of what to expect and a look at its Vault 76 setting. But as Bethesda boss Todd Howard said just before it debuted, that was only meant as a tease. More is coming at E3 2018. Still, we do know more than you might think after a single viewing. We've gone through the video a number of times and noticed a few noteworthy things. So they go on to break down uh, some of the info about this game. It's coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One. We don't know about the Switch yet. Um, Bethesda's obviously developing it. And uh, it's the same people who did Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. Uh, and Vault 76, it says, Given the game's name... And what we see in the trailer, Vault 76 is seemingly set to play a major role in the game. Although it's not a place we've visited before, that isn't the series' first mention of it. Both Fallout 3 and 4 reference it, and according to the Fallout Wikia, it was occupied by 500 people who were meant to be a control group. It was intended to be opened 20 years after a nuclear war. A poster seen in the vault shows its existence was meant to be mark the United States' tricentennial of 2076. So, Mac... I know you've played some Fallout. I know you at least have downloaded Fallout 3. Um, have you seen the trailer for this game? No. Okay. 
and and honestly, there's not a lot. I mean, there's no there's no gameplay. It's just a, it's literally a teaser trailer. Um, but do you do you is this does this excite you in the least? I guess is my question. A new Fallout game. I know you haven't finished Fallout Three, which still frustrates me that you have not finished it. But um, does this get you excited at all? It's a PC game. Uh, yeah, it does excite me. I mean, Fallout is a solid series. It's uh, it's a you know universe, um, uh, a world with you know with cool stuff going on, and I think there's plenty more to explore. So I'm excited that we're getting potentially another Vault. Woohoo! Yeah, I love. I mean, Fallout Three, one of the best RPGs that I've ever played. Um, I have not played Fallout Four yet. I heard that it was very buggy and frustrating. I don't know if you've played it. Um, all, all Fallout games are buggy and frustrating, so I don't know why people have that complaint. I've heard rumors that this will be a Fallout MMO or a Fallout multiplayer game, which I think would be fantastic. Um, I, I don't know how combat would work, as oftentimes you're freezing time when you're doing combat, at least in Fallout 3. But regardless, I, I'm excited to see what Bethesda does. They don't mess up very much. So let us know in the chat what you guys think about that. Uh, next news story. We got a lot today. It's a hot one, Mac. We got a lot of stories. Uh, let's let's talk about E3 for a minute. Let's let's go there. So let's talk about all the game. And actually, you know what? Let's yeah, we'll do this now. This is all the games that are confirmed for E3. Uh, we're gonna run through these and let us know in the chat which ones you are most excited for, because uh, this is gonna be a really really big year. So Electronic Arts has Anthem, Battlefield 5, a new mobile game, a new sports game, and The Sims 4. Microsoft has Forza Horizon 4, uh, Bethesda, and by the way, these are just the games that are confirmed. Bethesda has Fallout 76, Rage 2, and Elder Scrolls Legends. Square Enix has Kingdom Hearts 3. Mac, are you a Kingdom Hearts guy? Um, I've played the first one, but I haven't really gotten that far into the series. Okay, cool, cool. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. As well, Ubisoft has Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Beyond Good and Evil 2, For Honor, Skull and Bones, Starlink, Battle for Atlas, Tom Clancy's The Divisions 2, Division 2, and Transference, and hopefully Splinter Cell. Sony has Death Stranding, Dreams, Ghost of Shishuma, Spider-Man, and The Last of Us Part 2. Nintendo has Splatoon 2 and Super Smash Bros. Now, Splatoon 2 is already out. I believe this is an expansion. Uh, and then there's some other games. Call of Duty Black Ops 4, uh, CG Project Red's new game, Fortnite for the Switch potentially, Mega Man 11, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which is for the Switch, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, uh, and a bunch of others. So as I get older, Mac, I find myself less and less, not less and less knowledgeable, but I don't know as much in-depth detail about about some of these games. I will say that the one that has me the most excited is uh, is probably The Last of Us Part Two. I want to get more information on that. Uh, and I know that you are waiting for your indie game, which will not be at E3, but probably should be. Indeed. Um, man, should I say this? Yeah, say, um, say it, man. What do you want to say? I have it on good authority that we are going to see it soon. Ooh. Is there is that all you can say? Yes. Yep, that's all I can say. Okay, and tell us uh, actually we won't, we won't ask you any more questions about that. We'll leave it at that. 
We'll leave it at that. Um, let's talk. I have it on good authority that there uh, that um, some people might not be permitted to stream it before it uh, lands. Ooh. So but some people. But if you see Mac playing it on Steam, <laughs> on Steam, you know what's going on. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's really fantastic. It was a fun conversation with uh, uh, with James. Now so, that game is going to come out for um, for PlayStation Four and, uh, and Xbox as well, right? Uh, PlayStation Four, I know for sure, and I'm I'm not sure about Xbox. Okay. I imagine because you know, Windows, practically the same thing. Yeah, easy easy to translate over. Cool. Well, Game Informer, which by the way, their site got a huge facelift to date. It looks fantastic has this news story about Fortnite. It says, As rumors have swirled about Epic Games' impossibly popular Fortnite landing on the Switch, partially fueled by what appears to be a photo taken of E3 banner plotting and a Korean ratings board listing, one more gas canister is being added to the fire. A Switch eShop datamine. Yesterday, the eShop received some changes to increase visibility, which prompted data miners to take a look at what else might be hiding underneath the surface. One such data miner who goes by Skiers M on Twitter, found both an update to the game, already being uploaded uploaded to the eShop, and a home screen icon for people who like to judge Switch games icons. The preceded update, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, Mac, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of living in a world where everything gets spoiled. I don't know how you feel about this, but there's not a lot that could be announced at E3 that we don't already know about, and it seems like every game that's going to come out is no longer a surprise. Would you agree with this, or, or do you see anything happening in games that you didn't already know was going to happen? Uh, I mean, some of these I haven't heard of, but that's because I wasn't paying attention, for the most part. Um, others of them, I've kind of, yeah, I heard that they were coming. I'm not surprised to see that we'll see some of them, you know, at E3. It just but, seems uh, like everything, I mean, everything is getting leaked before the company wants us to know about it, and so nothing's a surprise anymore. Hmm. In my opinion, you guys can let us know what you think in the chat. And uh, and you know what? Just for the sake of time, that's our news for the week, Mac. I'll turn it over to you, buddy. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Nice Guy. Um, I apologize. My voice sounds awful, but uh, that cannot stop this segment we call Gaming History, where we take a look at the past and some of the games that have come before that have shaped the very fabric of our gaming landscape. Yes, I'm going with that. And for starters, a 1982 release for the Do- for DOS, uh, you know, just in general, called Beneath Apple Manor. Now, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm sure you've heard of a genre of games called roguelike, right? Of course, of course. Of course. They are called that for the game Rogue to denote that they are like Rogue, which is a game that was released in uh, about 83 or so. But Beneath Apple Manor is actually the first roguelike game, if you will. It predates Rogue, but let's face it, Beneath Apple Manor-like just doesn't really have the same you know, the same ring to it. So, I'm kind of glad we stick with roguelike, but it is, and was, that first procedurally generated game 
with uh with basically you know permadeath and losing losing all your things and having to start back from the beginning that was the 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 beginning of it the beginning of it all at least in in that and that came out in 82 you know just over these past couple of weeks so i think it's important to uh to just look back and appreciate that so many of these genres of games that we have now owe themselves to that 1982 release beneath Apple Manor. And uh, get yourself DOSBox and uh, and try it out. I mean, it, it'll probably infuriate you as sometimes these old games do when you're dealing with, you know, uh, with games that don't have good graphics or they don't, they, they have mechanical issues because they were, you know, they, they were a starting point, really. But sometimes it's important to look back at those and appreciate how far we've come. Um, the next one I want to bring up was released in uh, 1994 for the Super Nintendo called a little title called Earthbound that uh, that almost didn't make it to uh, to the shores here to the United States shores and uh, has a you know I- I'm not exactly sure where its status is precisely but it has a uh, second and third games in its series and I know that the third game never saw a release and I think the second one might have been Japan only but uh, but it-, it was definitely a weird game now myself it's not one that I ever played but I remember I remember first meeting the main character of Earth- of Earthbound Ness from uh, from Super Smash Bros That's right he he was one of the uh, playable characters, and uh, one of my friends was quite adept at laying the smackdown with uh, with Ness. But uh, in my later years, in my sunset years, Mr. Nice Guy, I've uh, I've tried out this Earthbound, and it's good stuff. So if you're not so much yourself inclined toward it, there are plenty of people who uh, who play it in the retro community on on Twitch, and it's really it's really a delightful game. It has this sort of quirky quirky humor that often doesn't really translate too well but it's a really really well done jrpg um and then uh i've got two more i want to hit i i i would be remiss if i didn't mention the release of half-life 2 episode one um now obviously we all know that uh that valve struggles with threes right they struggle with a third release, so in order to get around that, who knows, maybe there's a curse. Maybe it's superstition. We got ourselves Half-Life 2, right? And then we got Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and Half-Life 2 Episode 2. And then eventually, one of these days, maybe, hopefully, Half-Life 3 confirmed. Who knows? Who knows? But we can all hold on to hope. That even though it's been since 2006 when we saw Half-Life 2 Episode 1, maybe there's something, something at work back there. Probably not, but possibly. And then this last one I want to, uh, I want to mention, released on June 5th, 2015, a much more recent game, but I feel like has a really big impact, at least for me, and that is Tabletop Simulator. And uh, this is a sort of outlet by which I've been able to relive so many of my board games of the past. Things like Hero Quest. Um, things like, uh, oh, what's the one that you really like, Mr. Hero Hero Escape, yes. Hero Quest, Hero Escape, 
playing with friends on a virtual tabletop and, uh, you know, every so often flipping a table. But uh, wonderful game. <laughs> I cannot recommend it. No, no, seriously, Mr. Nice Guy. I, have you not seen it? You've that? told me. Oh, okay, good. Uh, but you haven't seen I it. I have not. <sighs> stream it. Okay, I will have to stream it. But nonetheless, it's definitely a good one. Great for getting the group together, even when they are separated by, say, a thousand miles, like Mr. Nice Guy and I. But that's what I wanted to hit on today for gaming history. A few a few gems, like the very roots of roguelikes, and maybe just the roots of being able to relive some of the board games are some of the great things that came out in years past this week. And Mr. Nice Guy, back over to you. Awesome. Thank you, Mac, for, for letting us know where we've been in the past. Well, guys, now it's time for our topic of the week, where we talk about something relevant in gaming today and give our opinions on it. So this week's story is actually very unique, and I hesitated uh, to choose it because I don't know how much discussion it will generate, but I found it fascinating. This is on Game Rant, now, and it deals with a, a rumor. So it says, fans of EA's skateboarding sim series Skate have been asking the publisher to make a new game for years. Even Grammy Award-nominated musician Tyler, the Creator, has asked EA to make Skate 4. When commenting on the matter previously, the official line from EA has been that the game is not in the works, but a new development has been... Excuse me, but a new development has given fans a reason to believe that Skate 4 is in the works. Skate 3 is currently available through Xbox backward compatibility, and players who are enjoying this game have noticed that the game's servers have come back online after several years of being down. As explained in the video below by avid skate fan X7 Albert, the game's back-end servers are now up and running, offering access to community-created content such as community skate parks videos and imports uh, a skater feature. Just like when the game first launched, players are able to download content to their version of Skate 3, also rating also rating the content made available by other players. So, for whatever reason, Mac, the servers are back up for this game, and now people think it means that Skate 4 is coming? Um, have we ever seen something like this, where servers went down and came back up? I can't think of a time. Can you? Yeah, no. I'm having trouble thinking of a time myself. Now, here's... Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. After you. I, I was going to say, how, how would something like this work? Now, you're a tech guy. Servers, when they go down, do they still just exist and it's simply a matter of flipping a switch for them to come back on? I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't know the answer to that question, but I know that it takes time and energy and money to keep servers running. I assumed once they're down, they're down for good. Well, normally that is the case, but uh, that's, I mean, theoretically, right? So... What is a server, right? In, in the case of a video game server, it's often, you know, it's basically, basically a hard drive hooked up somewhere or some sort of, some sort of memory uh, area, right, um, that is combined with the ability to basically serve 
a group of people who are not running the scenario. They might be running the game, but it's, you know, but the server's running the scenario. If you want to think about it a bit like, you know, you guys are the players and the server's the dungeon master, right? Okay, good analogy. For Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, yeah. But uh, now that's important for a couple of reasons because, um, because one, oftentimes the server will give you the data for what's actually happening. Just like a dungeon master will, you know, uh, will craft the narrative and make things go. Now, sometimes some servers are actually going to unlock portions of the game that are otherwise locked. This often happens with online only games where you've got the whole, you've got the game or, you know, some component of it, but you need the component that's online for it to actually work. Um, so it depends on what type of game, but in general, when servers go down, they usually don't get brought back up. Although theoretically, maybe there's that sort of Indiana Jones style, you know, like that, like that time when he's, they're filing away the Ark in the warehouse and they've got all these things that they're putting in there. Theoretically, I imagine that the server portion, or at least the, the bit that's got the hard drive on it that has the, uh, the information about the game, is probably still in existence. It's, they probably pull that out and then plug in some different hard drive to run a dedicated server for whatever the new game is, or the new games. So, yeah, it's, it, it costs money, it, it, uh, it takes energy, um, but depending upon the way the video game is made is vital to the act to the operation. But theoretically, they still have the data even after they've shut off the server. So all that would need to happen would be for them to just plug it back into a server and then off you go. Well, and that's the thing because, I don't know, it seems to me that if there's enough demand for a game to be up, they should just leave it up, right? I mean, they... <laughs> So, for example, every single Call of Duty is still up. And there have been, I don't know how many at this point, 12 Call of Duty games, um, as far as the multiplayer games. I mean, every single, what's another example? Sports game servers go down, and that's understandable. But the old Halos, you can still play them, you know, on on Xbox 360. So, I I know Halo 2 went down, but you could still play Halo 3 and, and, and on. So... I feel like game companies should just leave these up. Now, Mac, if there's any game with servers that are down that you could see come back, what game would that be? Can you think of one? And I know what mine is. Um, Well, the problem is is I'm so opposed to this online-only model of video games that I don't patron any games that have an online own that are online only so I can't think of any just because I've never bought any of these online only games yeah 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 well I I will say one game I had a lot of fun with and actually the servers may still be up but the community is dead was Splinter Cell Blacklist Uh, I really liked the spies versus mercs and I would love to see that community uh, rejuvenated in fact I think it's it's available on Xbox backwards compatibility I think, but I think there's just not much of a community. Um, So anyway, that is it for our topic of the week. Mac, I'll bring it back to you, buddy. All right. Well, as you know, we like to take a look at some of the crowdfunded, crowdfunding projects that are going on right now around us, explore them a little bit, talk about some of the virtues, the vices, and at the end, 
we like to say whether or not we think they should be kick-started or whether they should be kicked to the curb. In this segment, we like to call kick or kick-start. Now, I'll go ahead and drop the link in the chat for those of you who are here and for those of you who are paying attention after the fact. Feel free to join along. So, this one comes to us not from Kickstarter, but from Indiegogo, and I think that it is uh, it is very worth discussing. It's the Atari VCS. Now, we've seen teases of this before. Atari has their gaming and home entertainment streaming device with open platform for creativity and customization. I'm not a big fan of... PR buzzwords, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> Not at all. But they have an Atari, a set-top box done in the style of, of Atari, right? The idea is that this is going to be basically what an Ouya was. Do you remember the Ouya by chance? I do, yeah, sure do. Yeah, so the Ouya did really well on Kickstarter. Um, I have, I don't have an Ouya, but I I have one of these sort of Android-based, you know, set-top boxes that plays the things, it does the stuff, and and it's all right, but it's not better than just, you know, sending my stuff via tablet to my Chromecast, basically. But anyway, the point is, is that with this, you're supposed to be able to play um, the classic games... Um, they say a hundred plus classic Atari games preloaded on on the console. Um, plenty of new games as well. You should be able to stream stuff like it's got a YouTube uh, thing there, so I assume that we'll probably have a back end built on Android or something like that because you know how it is. People are, are not going to put that Atari's not going to put that much effort into this, basically. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm showing my hand. I'm already showing <laughs> my my feelings on this. But uh, uh, but yeah, they've they've got some partners for stuff. They've got some things that feel like throwback controls, and I mean, good for them. Um, okay, so let's just have it right out. I am not enthused about this project, Mr. Nice Guy. Um, I feel like it is something that's been done before uh, and has been successful, but at the same time, there's not. I don't really feel like there is a place for it anymore. Um, well, I I wonder I wonder if it's because you and I are a little bit younger than people who grew up playing Atari. And, and the reason that I say that is because have you looked at where it's at as far as its funding? Oh, yeah. I see that there are many people being duped into this. <laughs> well, or maybe they're just maybe it's just nostalgia for them. I mean, the, the goal was 100,000. And what are they at right now, Mac? Yeah, it's like, what, two and a half million or something? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, there's a need for this or a desire for this, I should say. But I'm with you when you say I it's mean, been... But Mr. Nice Guy, it's $200 for the early bird, you know, for the early bird getting a copy of the VC... Getting one of the VCS. I, I know. It, it's it's, it's uh, $30 more if you want an actual controller, one of their jo- Atari joystick controllers. It's 279 if you want, you know, if you want a 
a reasonable controller, a throwback controller, and the VCS. Um, modern controller. I mean... Yeah, I mean, we're getting into current and hey, territory. And hey, if you want the wood paneling on the front, the wood panel on the front, oh, then then that's going to be 339 it's i mean there there on the one hand there are things that are kind of like a cash grab based on nostalgia like for example wreck it ralph right cash grab I, I, based I on nostalgia wreck but wreck it yes wreck it ralph was done well that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying and then there are nostalgia cash grabs that are not done very well and i mean any number of recent movies recent reboots come to mind uh you know ninja turtles hmm mm, yeah so yeah, I'm with you. What and, I'm getting at is that this feels a cash grab. I'm not surprised that the cash grab is successful. Just in the same way that I'm not too surprised that the NES Classic and the SNES Classic were smash hits for Nintendo and helped really boost quarterly earnings and things like that. But I'm just so jaded about these about these things that I perceive to be blatant nostalgia cash grabs well here's my thing at what point do we have too many consoles (laughs) you know what i mean and i'm not talking Mm. about current gen consoles because there's three of those there's the switch there's the ps4 and there's the xbox one but at what point do we just i mean i grew up on nintendo i still have an nes snes n64 um a playstation one i mean I, i have i have all my old playstations i have all my old nintendo game boys and and a game boy advance and you know, the 3DSs and the DSs. Who who really is keeping all of these old consoles set up all the time? And and, and at what point do we just have too many? You know what I mean? Um, I, I just don't understand why, why we need another one of these at this price. So I'm with you. Um, what, what are you what's your vote, Mac? Oh, As if it uh, wasn't clear. It. Yeah, yeah, if it wasn't clear, kick it. It's just, uh, it's too high a price for too little functionality, something that's basically going to be a glorified Android set-top box with a new, you know, with a a shiny new coat of Atari paint and uh, with some preloaded Atari games. It's just not worth it. The amount of effort and time and, you know, stuff that goes into it it probably costs $30 to make, maybe $40. It might even wind up having something like a Raspberry Pi inside of it. I, I At this point, I just wouldn't put it past them. Uh, so. That would actually be hilarious if, they, if it did. Yeah, that, it that would be. That would be absolutely hilarious. People would be angry. Um, and rightly so. $300 or approximately $200 plus for a board that costs $35 when you buy them one at a time to say nothing of what happens when you, you know, when you scale up production to thousands and you get, you know, discounts from a manufacturing standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I vote to kick it as well. I I didn't grow up on Atari. Uh, I mean, I have a Raspberry Pi, so I'll try Atari games from time to time. And, you know, frankly, they're just not fun. I know that's blasphemy to people who grew up with it, but it's just not for me. So... Um, I'm going to say kick it. And you all let us know in the chat what you think. Kick it or kickstart. Mr. Nice Guy, back over to you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the main event. It's time for my favorite segment of the show, a segment we like to call the Dummy of the Week. 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 A segment of the show where we talk about something stupid 
idiotic or downright dumb and we make fun of the person who did it. Now this week's story is unique and I don't know how much commentary I really need to give because I think that the dumminess, is dumminess a word? The dumbness of it speaks for itself. This comes from CBS Chicago. Um, It says, an Oregon man accused of stealing a car and driving for miles the wrong way claims he thought he was playing the popular video game Grand Theft Auto while high on LSD. Local authorities say Anthony Joseph Clark was stopped with several other people during a DUI arrest on June 2nd. While deputies were waiting for tow trucks to arrive, the 23-year-old allegedly jumped into one of the impounded cars and drove off. Um, yeah. Clark was eventually stopped after his stolen vehicle was hit by two spike strips, and the drugged driver tried to steal another car in a nearby town. Quote, he believed he was in the video game Grand Theft Auto, and the police were trying to catch him, the Jackson County Sheriff's Office said. I wish I could pull up the picture of this guy because he looks exactly like you think he would um, based on based on his behavior. It says, according to the local police, the drug car thief also slammed through several roadway fences, drove the wrong way on at least two highways and rammed a patrol car before being captured by officers. Luckily, no one was injured during the pursuit. Clark now faces very serious charges from three separate police departments for his lengthy joyride. Oregon State Police, the Ashland Police Department, and the Jackson County Sheriff's Office have all filed charges against him. Those charges include driving under the influence of a controlled substance, reckless driving, recklessly endangering another person, and criminal mischief. Now, here's my only problem with this story. Um, Maybe the reason that the guy thought he was playing Grand Theft Auto is because it took three police departments to catch him? (laughs) I mean, if you can go on on a chase... That, that goes across three different territories, then LSD or not, you, you just pulled off some Grand Theft Auto level crime. So that's my thoughts on that story. Uh, Mac, back over to you, buddy. All right. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. No, that was good. And uh, I did check, uh, check his picture. He does look exactly like what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I've got this sneeze coming on. So, wait for it. Wait for it. Nope, it died in my nose. Ah. So let's move on and let's go for. <clears throat> let's move on to a little segment we like to call legalese. Legalese. So in legalese, we like to take a look at various lawsuits, Uh, maybe sometimes old ones, sometimes new ones, maybe even sometimes patents, various things that really impact the landscape of video games. And uh, being not a lawyer, uh, I like to say this is just a little bit of legalese. So let's get started here. I'm going to give just a quick callback to an ongoing drama, and that is the uh, the United States FCC and uh, their whole net neutrality and you know DDoS attacks and and you know robots and all that nonsense. There's some very funny and interesting things going on right now, which may wind up leading to. I don't know if it'll be criminal charges or anything like that, but definitely some censuring, uh, some public censuring of FCC officials 
um, as certain emails have come to light, um, giving evidence that the uh, that FCC that the agency officials were uh, being intentionally deceptive about various things. So uh, I'll just leave it at that for right now because the story's still kind of developing. But uh, as someone whose name was used by and identification was used by a robot to uh, um, to voice uh, my support for repealing net neutrality, um, merely a week after I myself had sent my request that uh, net neutrality be retained, um, I feel particularly about this topic and and we'll revisit it many other times but now for what you're really waiting for the lawsuits mr nice guy i'm sure you're familiar with the uh uh with the what would you call them these these popular games where there's like a hundred people and they're fighting all you know in an ever shrinking area yeah like what, the hunger games i think they're called the, the kids are calling them battle royale mac Battle Royale, indeed, Mr. Nice Guy. Th this type of game is, uh, is is familiar to those of us with familiar with film and literature as the Hunger Games genre. But uh, they do call them Battle Royale, and there is a little bit of a lawsuit. It appears as though PUBG and Fortnite are not on the best of terms at the moment. What? As a matter of fact, the lawsuit is being alleged. The claim is being made that um, that uh, Fortnite has stolen from PUBG. What? Now, PUBG was published sooner. Yes, this is true. Um, PUBG is now... Was, featured a very big uptick. It was crazy popular until Fortnite kind of, you know, knocked it off of its throne. Um, I think that's fair to say, right, Mr. Nice Guy? I would agree with that. Okay. Well, the data certainly, bear, certainly bears that true as well. Um, and, uh, and so it's kind of a difficult thing to untangle because... What exactly is infringed? What exactly is copyrighted? Um, certain cases, you know, art assets, music, um, uh, even sometimes source code, those things are there. But as was uh, discovered earlier in other courts in different circumstances, the look and feel of a game, perhaps, cannot really be relied on as a sort of you know go-to for what we're for what we're looking at for what is the game so um they're going to have it out apparently who knows if they will settle out of court like many other companies that they have said hey you stole our game um but are unable to prove it a lot of that stuff gets settled out of court but it would be very interesting to see it would be very most interesting to see where exactly the copyright, where what exactly has been stolen, and if it's been stolen, where it is that we're able to uh, that we're able to say, well, this is no longer, uh, no longer, you know, you, you can't do that anymore. I mean, I think this is going to just go away, of course, but there's always that. There's always that moment. There's always that moment in time. Kind of like how 
um, when we covered a while back, the whole secondhand market was in jeopardy for a period of time uh, because of a lawsuit revolving around uh, printer cartridges. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, sometimes these things can get kind of crazy pretty fast, especially if somebody doesn't look at the implications when they're delivering their ruling. Now, often judges are usually pretty good about it, but, uh, but it would be interesting to see. If this goes the way I don't expect, it would be interesting to see how it impacts games of similar genres for the future. I agree. This is fascinating to me. You know, we've reached a point where you really can sue over anything. And just because someone does something better than you doesn't mean that you can sue them. And uh, and I kind of, that's how I kind of feel about what's happening with PUBG and Fortnite. And I love both games. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully they can find a way to coexist and PUBG can, can get back some of their, their uh, players. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's pretty much our show. Now, before we go, we like to do one last segment called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And you let us know in the chat the cool, nerdy stuff that you've been watching and playing, because we're always looking for new stuff to consume media-wise. So, Mac, you want to lead off for us? Sure. I'll lead with what I've been playing. Now, for the most part, um, I've been, you know, studying and getting ready to you know to teach a new class chemistry classes but what i have been making time for to play has been a little thing called bloodstained curse of the moon um this is actually a sort of throwback video game right a retro styled video game um that was part of the kickstarter um for the bloodstained uh bloodstained video game now, what they did, uh, Ritual of the Night is the is the name of the of the Bloodstained game, and I believe it hasn't yet been released, right? Um, yeah, they're currently in beta, right? And uh, some backers are able to to get it, and that's as of June first. They're uh, oh no, as of June first, they're giving news about when they're going to have the uh, uh, the beta release for the beta backer demo. But they did say as one of the stretch goals that they would go for a retro-styled game. And what better way to make a fake NES game than to bring in the studio that is expert in making retro-styled games. That's right, Inti Creates, the people who made Mega Man's 9 and 10, true to the old style, and many other games in older styles they're the ones who've made bloodstained curse of the moon and it's pretty good mr nice guy it's pretty good i like it i enjoy it and uh, i've almost got i've got one achievement that i haven't quite successfully nabbed yet um also i have been playing some stardew valley ever since they uh, because i bought stardew valley back when it first came out uh, but I have, uh, have a, but I my interest was rekindled when they um, uh, when they announced the uh, the beta where they were going to have multiplayer because that was something that it definitely was was missing. Because you're a big fan of multiplayer. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, thank you. Yes, I am quite a big fan of multiplayer. Fantastic. Well, I don't know. Should I? Uh, did you have other stuff you wanted to? 
Um, yeah, well, uh, as for watching, I've been, uh, um, oh gosh, what have I been watching? It's always uh, hard not, to remember in the moment. Yeah, it's not too frightfully much, but I did, uh, in preparation for Deadpool 2, uh, I did watch the first Deadpool film. And how was it? I enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it. That's fantastic. Well, Mac, I've been doing a little bit of gaming. I've been doing some Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on the Switch. Uh, still playing Shovel Knight, man. That game is fantastic. Now, I'm on the last boss of the main game. And it seems to be just one of those, uh, not a speed run, but like a, uh, you got to refight all the bosses that you already beat. A boss rush. A boss rush. That's the term. See, that's Mac, we keep you around for many reasons. That's one of them. Uh, you remember terms like that. And it's frustrating. Uh, I haven't had time to get through that, but it's a fun game. And what else have I been playing? Uh, PUBG. Been getting back into PUBG a little bit. Had a Halo game night at my house on Saturday. Forgot about that for a second. It was fantastic, Mac. We'll get you over here for one when you're in Chicago one day. And that's pretty much what I've been playing. Uh, as far as what I've been watching, really into Suits. Uh, love that show. Finishing up the Runaways on Hulu. If you like Marvel stuff, check that out. Went on a date night with wifey last week. Finally got to see Avengers. That was fantastic. And uh, what else? That's probably it. We'll leave it at that, Mac. Now, I have not been following the chat. We started late today. Uh, and so I don't know if people are putting their stuff in the chat. But if they are, Mac, do you want to read some of the stuff our people have been into? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. We've got uh, watching Solo. It was not good and totally unnecessary. Ouch, that's... Ooh. Okay. Um, Deadpool 2 and Silence. Uh, and playing uh, God of War, Gears of War 4, um, NIOH, Dark Souls 3, Super Mario, Mario, Mario Odyssey, blech, Odyssey, and Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And uh, in Galvatron's opinion, Dragon Ball Fighter Z and God of War are his games of the year for 2018. I wonder if he's played Celeste. Celeste is good stuff. It's fantastic. And you know what's crazy about it? I feel like I've already forgotten how good it is. You know, when I was playing it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And now it's been a couple months and I'm like, yeah, it was really good. But uh, game of the year, maybe not. So that's what happens as games uh, get older, I guess. So I guess. Well, yeah, you need to play it. He just said in the chat he has not played Celeste. I would say at this point, if you haven't played it, wait till it goes on sale. It's well worth every penny, but uh, if you made it this far, you might as well save some money. So, Well, Mac, I say we wrap up. What do you think, buddy? Let's do. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode number 67 of Two Nerds in Pod. We are 67% of the way to 100 episodes, Mac. We'll be back next week. Same bat place, same bat time, same bat run. Keep it nerdy. Deuces.